name and all God's children said, Amen. Turn around and say hello to someone and then be seated. All right. Good to see everyone out tonight. Good to welcome everyone that is coming to us. Our subscriptions are up on YouTube and in the other platforms. And folks are coming on right and left. And praise the Lord for each and every one of them. We made reference to this morning's service, a love that lasts to the end. And that bulletin is available you online, if you just scroll down and tap in the right place, you can get a digital copy for yourself. Don't forget, we're finishing up the special emphasis on, uh, on buying these $8 Bibles for third world Christians. We're way over a thousand Bibles, praise the Lord. Heard from somebody today, one of the many subscribers to Gwendolyn's devotionals, uh, said that they were sending a check for Bibles, so praise the Lord. We've received uh, so many good uh, gifts and donations, and praise the Lord. Now, starting next week, we're going to be giving to the Briones uh, the fund that we have for them to pay their ministry rent. We've been doing it ever since the beginning when they went to the field. We have paid for their building. And so we want to do that. Uh, at $200 a month, it's a bargain. All those souls that are coming to God through Christ in the Philippines. So I trust that you'll give a very generous offering as soon as you have opportunity. I want to thank the men for setting up downstairs for the Beast Feast, for those that, that took all the flyers and those that signed up for the food. And next Saturday, don't miss it, our great annual wild game dinner for men and boys, the Beast Feast, will crank up and we will have uh, bow shooting and we will have uh, fly casting and we will have outdoor games at 1 o'clock and uh, then at 4 o'clock we'll be indoors and we'll have our food and our program and, um, and we'll have awards, and you want to come out for that, make sure you invite somebody. Come on out on Saturday. Don't forget now also on Wednesday night, Wednesday night we've got um, our Bible study in the book of Romans, and God's Word is profitable for doctrine. We are going to be in the book of Romans chapter number 6. Don't miss that 7.30 on Wednesday night. Tomorrow we have uh, the service of memory for Norris Price at Mount Castle. Uh, 10 o'clock visitation, 11 o'clock service. Uh, Brother Tyler and I will be co-officiating. Trust that you'll come and be a support to Aksuk and the family. And uh, then uh, our prayers go out to those who are bereaved, those that are sick, those that are going through various uh, health and medical procedures. And uh, may God uh, bring everybody back to health and for His glory, help everybody to be uh, what they need to be for Him. I said tonight I was going to be bringing a message on the subject of how to know and do the will of God. Part of the problem, as I have stated, is not just that the will of God is so hard to know. That is nothing new. In fact, uh, way back in 1613, 1613, right after our King James Bible was translated, John Oxenham uh, wrote this. It's called God's Handwriting. He writes in characters too grand, too big, for our short sight to understand. We catch but broken strokes and try to fathom all the mystery of withered hopes of death, of life, the endless war, the useless strife. But there, with larger, clearer sight, we shall see this. His way was right. His way was right. And I hope in quoting that ancient poem, you'll understand what I do. The problem is not with the will of God. 
The problem is with our understanding. And the problem is with our attitude and mindset, our willingness to take what God gives us and follow by faith, not by sight. You and I will never in this lifetime understand everything there is to know about the will of God. It is unlikely that we will understand everything there is to know about God's will for us personally. But certainly, something so vast as the will of God requires that one most important element for us to be successful as Christians, and that is to walk by faith and not by sight. And what I am going to tell you tonight is that for that which God will reveal through His Word, by His Spirit, it is not difficult to be in the will of God. It is not difficult to be in the will of God. The struggle is in our own unsatisfied mind, our curiosity, our sinful humanity. You say, it's sinful to be curious? You know what it did to the cat. So be careful. I, I think there is such a thing as sanctified curiosity. All right? I think, uh, I think it takes place in, in every Bible college in America when uh, sitting in doctrine, doctrines class, you know, some young preacher boy, 18, 19, fresh face, not even shaving every day. You know what I'm talking about. He's sitting in class and... The, the, the aged preacher gets up, the white-haired, hoary-headed uh, theologian gets up, and he says, he says, both the sovereignty of God and the free will of man are indisputable facts. Now, the two may never meet in your mind. And so the difference, young man, is this. They are, in fact, realities, but they can't meet because they can't get through. And he's absolutely right. It was Charles Swindoll who gave, I think, the best illustration of balancing out those two truths that appear to be contradictory. Let's imagine that everybody in the universe is on one cruise liner. Say, oh, that's the one we took. Now, now, just imagine everybody's on a cruise liner, and that cruise liner has sailed from, let's say, New York, and is going directly across the Atlantic to Liverpool and then on to London. Let's say it's going there. Now, its destination is already set, isn't it? But on board, you've got thousands of passengers. They're not prisoners. They're not restrained. They can go out on deck when the weather permits. They can go below. They can, they can go, they can play shuffleboard, you know. They can do just about anything that you can do on a cruise liner, and nobody is forcing them. And that's very much like our lives. There's a part of our life which is part of God's destined plan. And you're not going to change it no matter what you do. For example, everybody's born, everybody lives, and everybody dies. We don't know when, but it's going to happen. Somebody was speaking to me about those inevitabilities the other day, and I said, absolutely. Uh, no time soon, I hope, but, you know, those things are going to happen to us all. Absolutely. But between now and then, there are a lot of seconds and minutes and hours and days. Who knows? And so live in that moment and do what's right in that moment and follow the leadership of God in His perfect will and you will find the joy that you desire so much. So if we could just rest ourselves from that, that 
gnawing curiosity to, uh, to know every little detail. We don't have to know every little detail, but we, we do have to meet some prerequisites. I'm going to ask you to turn back in Proverbs again. Now, not all of our scripture is going to be from Proverbs. But I want you to go back to that 16th chapter again where we found the first scripture that says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Don't trust, don't trust your own human sensibilities apart from the revealed will of God. Do not trust them. It just seemed so, it just seemed so positive. It seemed so good. It seemed so, that's the problem. It's the seeming part. But in chapter 16, if we begin at the beginning, which is a good place to begin always, let's begin at the beginning. And if we read it in context, it's going to seem to be like an apparent contradiction. The truth of the matter is, it's not. It's just like, it's just like uh, the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. All right, here you go. Verse number 1, chapter 16, follow as I read. The preparations of the heart in man. And the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Let's just stop there for a second. I think the thing that should be of a concern to you and to me is this burning question. Does the Lord see that in our own experience we've put the welcome mat out for Him? Have we said, Lord, you are welcome to every part of my mind, my heart, my spirit, Come on in, Lord. And how is it when you go home to visit? Daquan, when, when you go home to visit, now I don't know if, if you were in the habit of doing this, but do you feel comfortable enough when you walk in mom's door that you kick your shoes off? Oh, yeah. And you find that comfortable. You know which chair I'm talking about? That comfortable place to sit, right? Right? Okay. Why? Because you're at home. You're made to feel at home. The same is true of us, when we say to the Lord, you're welcome, Lord, come on in, kick your shoes off. I mean, I know he's not, but you know what I'm saying. Kick your shoes off, sit down anywhere you want to sit. You choose, Lord, it's your call. You do it, amen. So it says here, the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. That occurs when the Lord is comfortable and at home in your life and mine. I want that. How about you? All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes. So apart from God, you know, we, we sing, search me, oh God. Why is that? Because we are not objective about searching ourselves. So there it is. All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. There it is. Now, I don't know what kind of scale, uh, you know, if it's a digital, analog, if it's a mechanical, but I know that. God has a way of weighing the spirits. And it's different from the way we look at ourselves. Probably totally opposite, 180 degrees separated from our thinking. Commit thy works unto the Lord. Now the word commit, it's like, um, it's like uh, a choice um, to deposit. Well, let's do this. Instead of talking about banks and money. Let's talk about mail. There is a law. You may not know it. But the law is this. Let's suppose that you go down to the mailbox and it says United States Post Office, Post Box or whatever, and it's a mailbox. You know, red, white, and blue, the whole thing, right? 
You go there, you pull down the handle. Can you feel it? You know what I'm talking about? Can you hear it squeak? All right? And you put your item in there, and you let it go, bang. And you say, oh, man, I forgot to say something. And you start to reach in there. Can you do that? No, because the second it goes bang, and that's gone. It's no longer yours. You've got to go through a big process to try to get that piece of mail back. That piece of mail is now under the care of the United States Postal Service, which means a couple of things. It will be safe, if not lost, for a long time. All right? It's going to be all you postal people out there, don't go postal on me. All right? So anyway, there it is. When you commit, it's go, I mean, it's no longer in your hand. There it is. Commit thy works unto who? The Lord. So every single day, every single day, there we go. I'm getting signals. How's that? I can't see what I'm doing. Does it look okay? All right, there you go. Every single day, we are to commit our works unto the Lord. Every single day, we're to say, Lord, I want you to take charge of what I do. I want you to take charge of how I think. I want you to take charge of how I reason, how I judge, how I respond, our reactions, and so forth. Every person in the sound of my voice, everybody viewing tonight, everybody who's going to see this in the future, you and I are a very complex mechanism. Inside of us is the spirit of man. That's the part that God can deal with, the part that we deal with God. And we have our personality, our soulishness. We have personality. We have all of our emotions. And those emotions are subject to all of the different stimuli, all the different circumstances, and so we are very complex individuals. Now, we're not the greatest thing since sliced bread and peanut butter, but we, we are individual. We are unique. And every single day, what you do, what you say, what you think, how you feel, the choices you make, we need to be able to commit them to the Lord and step away and say, Lord, they're in your hands. That's it. We need to walk by faith and not by sight. We need to make our choices and decisions according to the Word of God, according to the will of God. We need to be able to do that. But now, part of all this process is that God is in charge. He is sovereign, part of that. And yet, we have a free will. We think everything is good. We need to com commit. We need to give ourselves to the Lord for Him to examine. And then we need to give our works, give our reactions, give our responses to Him. The Lord hath made all things for Himself. That includes you and me. Yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. You say, how is that possible? If it were not that God is sovereign, then we could say, well, there's good and evil. And these two are kind of counterbalancing each other. And there is this good and evil battle that's going on. And we do know in the spirit world that that, that is a, a general description of what's going on in the unseen spirit world. But it's not like there are two counterbalanced good and evil. That's, um, uh, that's Zoroastrianism. And Zoroastrianism says there's like a good God and a bad God and they're fighting each other. Well, the devil is not equal with God. The devil is a created being. He's a fallen creature. Even though he's super smart and everything goes into trying to make you fall, uh, he still is not equal with God Almighty. And so here's what God does in his sovereignty. When the devil comes to him and says, uh, you know, Lord, you're saying, have I considered Job? All right, I tell you what, um, 
you let me do this, you let me do this, and he'll curse you. I mean, he will, he will absolutely, he will be done with you, Lord. And the Lord says, okay, but don't take his life. Don't take his life. I have a hard time wrapping my brain around that. How about you? And in my flesh, I'd say, that's not a very nice God. But that's my flesh. And that's the mystery of the will of God. That's going on behind the scenes. See, he's even made the wicked for the day of evil. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. So when we lift ourselves up, we're making ourselves our own God. We're creating our own pantheon of, of, uh, of gods and, and uh, characteristics of God. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be uh, unpunished. And what that means is you can have a very good resume with a lot of recommendations, presidents, heads of state, important people, rich people, powerful people. That's not going to mean anything when we stand before God. It's what God says. That's what it is. What truly is and how it needs to be viewed is through the lens that God provides. The lens, of course, is His perfect will. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. And so the Lord uses this in this mysterious plan of His. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is little with righteousness than great revenues without right. So we're not striving to see how rich, how big a portfolio we can accumulate. That's not even on the radar. When it comes to the will of God, the most important things have to do with those things of eternal value, not those things that are temporal. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. And so we go back to what we read before. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but that's, listen, the ends of, of it are death. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge him. Now, draw a line right there. The first three things, the first three are what we're supposed to do. That's our part. The last, number four, is, and he shall direct thy paths. That's God's part. Are you getting it? Are you getting it? We're talking tonight about the will of God. Some of these things are very mysterious. When Fanny Crosby wrote, All the Way My Savior Leads Me. What a great song we sang tonight. That's a fantastic song. Keep in mind, she had been blind from a very early age. Someone had inappropriately applied something to her eyes that was supposedly a cure, and it caused her to, to go blind. And she never blamed that individual. In fact, she wrote a poem as a child, what, what a fortunate child I am. I mean, absolutely blind. But she was able to experience as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ, things from her perspective as a unique individual that maybe you and I will never even approach writing 8,000, 10,000, 12,000 hymns under various names. Think about that. All of these expressions of her journey as a blind believer. Think about that. Perhaps one of the most famous songwriters ever, without a doubt, the most famous female songwriter ever. When we think about the will of God, we think about the scripture that we've just read. I think about what one individual has written as far as 
listing the prerequisites for following the will of God. Now, I'm not saying people are not in the will of God, but to be able to attentively tune in and follow the will of God, you start out with, you've got to be a born-again believer. You've got to be born again like the old song goes, all right? So if, if, we're, if we're not led by the Spirit of God, we're not a son or a child of God, are we? We have to be led by the Spirit of God. So when you accept Him as your Savior and you acknowledge Him as Lord, then we have the Spirit's presence within us. And we, we then have our equipment working. You see what I'm saying? As long as we keep short accounts with God, that's it. We confess our sins. Why, the Lord can get a message to us. Amen. And how many times have you received what turned out to be, proved to be, a godly uh, uh, impression that came from the Spirit of God in your spirit. You know what I'm talking about. Don't go that way, do this, stop, go. You know, I've had those, you've had those. You know what I'm talking about. For us to be in the will of God, we won't even get on the right track. We won't even be on the right road if we don't get born again. That's number one. So I'd say tonight to you, that are listening, those of you that are viewing out there, listen to me. You must be born again. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Secondly, you have to exercise wisdom. We need to be careful, very, very cautious how we are proceeding. Uh, not as unwise, but as wise, the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 5. We, we need to redeem the time because the days are what? Evil. So wisdom is the right use of the resources that God has granted to us. Now those resources may come in many different forms. But as we accept those resources and, and we are following, we are able to exercise wisdom. Number three, you must have a deep down, I mean, a heavy-duty, industrial-strength desire to do the will of God. I've never met anybody who was able to discover and thrive in the will of God who didn't have a heavy, industrial-strength desire to do the will of God. That's got to be it. Lord, I long to do Thy will. I desire it. That's it. Uh, if, uh, if we're willing, then He's going to reveal things to us. Jesus in his great high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, if any man desire, if, if we desire to know the will of God, he's going to show us, he's going to teach us, he's going to guide us, he's going to direct us. But your want to has to be very strong. Now, I'm not talking about human works or human efforts. I'm talking about that part of you when, when it's stripped, I mean, just raw, it is, it is your spirit, in your spirit, that's what you want. You want God's best. You desire to know and to do the will of God. There have been times in my life when I wanted so badly the will of God, and I desired it, and we sought it. There have been times when we have fasted, when we've denied ourselves food for a period of time so that we might know the will of God, might be in His perfect will. There have been times when we have prayed, Prayed on through, prayed on through, prayed on through. And then there have been times when God tried to show His will and stubbornly uh, didn't, didn't even give any acknowledgement to God trying to intervene, trying to 
breakthrough. It's not that God was impotent or uh, not powerful enough. It's that, that my will was stony and hard and cold and not warm and pliable to the will of God. We need to do the will of God from deep down, from in our core, where we really want the important things in life to take place. Something that I'm not good at is to wait. I, I am not, by nature, a patient person. I've given you illustrations, not only of this preacher, but of other preachers. Uh, Phillips Brooks, I believe, was one of them. Uh, he was very, very, very impatient. And it's possible that in our impatience, we have missed the perfect will of God. But this is the big one right now. This is it. In order for us to be in the perfect will of God and to have that firmly in, in our directional, in our sights, we have to be willing to give up everything else. We have to be willing to give up what one writer has called our creature comforts. Things that make us comfortable. Lord, I'll go anywhere do anything but. It's the but that's going to get us in trouble. And right now, I know what I'm saying is resonating with somebody. And they don't like it. But that's the truth. we got to be willing to give it all up. Everything that we're hanging on to. There it is. Just so very plain and simple. I, I've mentioned perfect will of God. I should also mention the permissive will of God. What is the permissive will of God? When God gave permission to the devil uh, to give Job all that pain and anguish to prove the point that, that God had, and that was that even when a man goes through things that he doesn't completely understand, he can still trust the Lord, not curse God and die. It's that simple. Job was not uh, a, a spiritually... Um, perfect man, but he was perfect or complete in the sense that he eschewed evil. He didn't have evil um, subtext, evil um, uh, secondary motives, you know. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to just get that little edge on somebody else. But, but Job really had a desire to be pleasing to his Lord. We need to have that desire. Now, we can't have it both ways. We've got to be willing to give it all up. We've got to be willing to accept the perfect will of God, even if it means discomfort. So how can, we, how can we know and do God's perfect will? Times have changed. I remember growing up, just about every other message. Well, when I was in the youth group, in, in Christian, uh, growing up in a Christian youth group in, in, in church, um, I can remember these, um, these students coming to our church on weekends from the local Bible college or from a nearby Bible college and driving up about an hour uh, to be with us for the weekend. And, and they would have a youth activity on Saturday. Usually they'd set up and work on it Friday. And we'd have an activity on Saturday. We'd invite everybody out. We'd get kids saved and then get folks back on Sunday. And they would be participating in the, in the church activities, maybe uh, leading the music or, or working in some areas. And uh, a about one out of every two or three or four messages was, was on uh, dating or not dating or something like that. 
because boys and girls, right? And then, and then there were, were messages, and this is really big. This carries over into Bible college. About every other message in Bible college chapel is don't quit. And, that, and that, that, that's it. So don't quit. Don't give up. And uh, you can succeed. You know, God will help you. You can be your best and so forth. And so some of those, but then messages were preached and lessons were taught on how to know and do the will of God. Don't hear so much of that anymore. Because we're living in an era in which people, even those who claim to be saved, that are members of these generations that are coming along, really don't care about what God's will is. What they want is to be able to give a laundry list to God and have Him sign off on it. Instead of, Lord, what is your will? It's, Lord, here's my will, sign off on it. Times have changed. they flipped around. Don't hear many messages. You need to throw out the laundry list. Say, well, what about my dreams? I want to chase my dreams. Don't chase your dreams. Get right with the dream maker. Let him develop those dreams in your life, those aspirations. Amen. God has a will for every person. He has an eternal purpose planned before the foundation of the world. And Jesus Christ, God's perfect eternal Son, the Son of God, is the firstborn, that's He's first in order, among many brethren. God created Adam and Eve in a perfect environment. Guess what? They fell anyway. So the environment, while it may have some quality about it and may have some impact about it, the environment is not the key. We're not talking about going into outer space. We're talking about going into inner space. The motives of the heart, the motives of the mind, and so forth. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If that is, in fact, the case, then it is God who wants you and He wants me to become all that we can be, and that means being saved, yielding to God, allowing Him to have His way, and then without being, you know, swooped up, you know, taken up in some kind of whirlwind of thinking that somehow God is going to dramatically and mysteriously do every aspect of His perfect will in my life so that I'll, you know, I'll see visions and lightning will strike and there'll be, you know, hail and fire and all those things. That's not true. If that's the case, you need to move. Because you got all these, you know, plagues coming down on you. That's not how God reveals Himself. I would say, maybe this is an exaggeration, nine times out of ten, God doesn't use the dramatic to reveal His will. Nine times out of ten, He speaks in a still small voice through His Word. So when I said it's relatively simple and easy for us to know and do the will of God. I was talking about the still small voice. Responding to the still small voice. God's number one will for you and me is not, you know, leap tall buildings in a single bound, you know, and, and uh, set world records that will be recorded in the Guinness 
a book of records and never be broken. That's not it. God's will for you and me summed up in a few words is this. Christ-likeness. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. So as we're practicing the, the disciplines and behaviors of the normal Christian life, we're reading the Bible, still small voice. We're listening to devotions or preaching or teaching, still small voice. Having a discussion with my brothers and sisters in Christ, still small voice. I, I see certain tragic consequences for certain behaviors that are obviously not God's perfect will, still small voice. I'm getting that still small voice nine times out of ten. Because why? I'm, I'm part of this dramatic, you know, this scenery. Oh, come on. You've seen too much TV. The will of God is most frequently to be found simply by abiding in Christ and in His perfect word and will. Amen. Put Jesus first, others second, yourself last. That's a good way to get out of the line of fire, amen? And um, be in church, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Uh, stay out of bad places with bad people and avoid uh, the company that's going to wear down on you that, that says, you can skip church. You don't have to be in that. You don't have to go. You don't have. And there you go. They wear down on you, and you're saying to yourself, you know, these are pretty nice people, and they're not going. What's the deal? The deal is not all that glitters is gold, and do not judge people outwardly. Man looketh on the heart. And so I know this. Here it is. doesn't matter what they say. I'm better in church. doesn't matter what they say. I do better in the Word. I do better living a separated life. I do better dressing right. I do better going to the right activities. I do better. So it doesn't matter what somebody says, well, we can, we can do that. You can do this. Nobody's, don't listen to that. That kind of ying, 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 that kind of stuff is going to get you into so much trouble. Later on, you're going to say, why didn't I listen to what the preacher said? So listen to me now. All right. Don't wait for a miracle, for an earthquake, for a volcano to erupt. Don't wait for that. Don't don't just sit around and wait for God to do it. You be busy. Be busy about the Father's business. Pattern your life after Jesus, not after other humans, because all of us are flawed except Jesus. And so it may be that somebody has helped you to see how a certain thing is done in a certain way, but we don't want to just hang on every word and every action of every person that we look up to because sooner or later they're going to fall off that pedestal. In everything we do, we need to do as it's coming along. So here we are. Picture yourself. We're on a journey. We're on the road, the right road. The Lord has, has given us directions. We're on that road. The Holy Spirit's guiding us. And we're on that road, and we're going the right direction with the right people for the right reason. Now, that's going to keep you in the place where God is going to speak to you in a still, small voice more often than not occasionally there's going to be a traumatic experience in your life. And when that happens, that's why we got the prayer chain. That's why we got brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why we got fasting and praying. 
See, you can't fast and pray all the time. You'll die. You'll starve. You'll, you'll die of thirst. You don't want to do that. Instead, you want to leave those times for the unusual, the, the occasional circumstances that require it. But we've got to be willing on a day-by-day -day basis to be distinctively different, separated from the world and unto Christ, different from the world. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and what? And perfect will of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2, such valuable verses on a daily, everyday, disciplined basis to be in and stay in the will of God. I'm glad God gave me small opportunities at the beginning because I didn't have uh, Cadillac faith, if I can just put it that way. When I started out, I had Volkswagen faith. So God gave me Volkswagen challenges. And as I accepted those and by Volkswagen faith went forward, God said, hey, no, I still didn't get Cadillac. I got Chevy. Okay? I got Chevy faith for Chevy challenges and then on up the line. And I'm not saying we've gone into like 14-wheeler, you know, 18-wheeler, 22-wheeler, you know, whatever size vehicle. Uh, how many trucks and trailers? But whenever those come along, God provides what's needed. He's the God who is always the God of enough. He, give, he's, he will supply all of your needs and my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Whatever He's given us, time, talent, uh, opportunity, we need to use it for His glory. We need to employ it and say, Lord, uh, you've put this in my way for a reason and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. As we prepare ourselves for greater and greater opportunities, we need to be, as I've said already, we need to be willing to get out of that comfort zone and say, Lord, whatever you want. Now, sometimes we, we have to ask somebody with some experience, a counselor that's got some experience that's been down the road, and it's not that they're perfect, but they've, they've got a little better perspective because they've been down that road. And they might say something or encourage you in some way that, that you'll do that one thing. I have people, sweetie, you know what I'm talking about. They'll say, 20 years ago or 30 years ago, you preached this message, and I'll never forget what you said. I look at my wife, and she looks at me, and I'm as if to say, what did I say? I don't remember, she doesn't remember, but they remember. They wrote it down in their Bible. Whatever it was, it was from the Lord through the Word and spoke to their heart and they've been living by it and living as a principle for 30 years. That shows us a couple of things. First of all, when God speaks to us, He speaks to us individually. Sometimes He speaks to us so that the preacher can't remember what He said that made such an impact on your life, but it did. And, and the other is, if it's true 30 years ago, it's true now. And if it worked 30 years ago, it's still working now. And so there are people spread all over the landscape to whom we've ministered that have this, that, or the other, that I can't remember this, that, or the other, but God used us to preach it, to teach it from the Word of God. They've been living by it for 30 years. I got my hand up. Hand on the Bible, hand raised. I do not believe in fleeces. Fleeces are not an expression of faith. They're an expression of doubt. 
And Gideon was called a mighty man of valor because God saw him through the lens of his potential. But when he said, Lord, just one more, one more fleece, one more fleece, one more fleece. The Lord won't always be that gracious. He doesn't have to be. Nothing requires him to be. Don't put out the fleece. Don't, don't, don't get hung up on one little bit of scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, etc., etc. But not all scripture may apply in context to this particular situation. So don't get hung up on one scripture. You need to be in the Word of God, throughout the Word of God, and let the Spirit of God speak to you. Take good notes. Pray over it. The first, you're talking about checking the boxes? The first and foremost box to check is the, the scripture box, the Bible box. That's it. In context, there it is. And that's it. If your motives, if your heart is right and you're in the Word of God and you're traveling down that road with those people that are traveling the right direction for the right reasons and then over time consistently you see God open and close doors. Those opportunities come and they go and you have a sense of well-being, spiritual well-being and peace and calm about those decisions, about those choices. I can tell you right now, if it's been from the Word, by the Spirit, over time, consistently, you have the peace of God that rules in your heart. Listen to me. I can tell you, it's not difficult to be in the will of God. It's, it's, you can get out of the will of God real quick if you're going to sin and be willful. But in the will of God can be something that everybody can experience. There it is. There it is. We need to be... Fully convinced. Turn to Romans chapter 14. We're going to get there eventually in our study of the book of Romans. But in Romans chapter 14, I just want to share one thing with you here. Romans chapter 14, it says in verse number 1, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Now all of that is about the matter of do you eat meat or not? Do you, do you eat the meat that's offered uh, titles and sold in the shambles in the marketplace at a reduced rate. And some people would stumble over that, some people would not. And so there is the matter of conscience. But I want you to see verse number 5. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Now that phrase is what I want you to stay with tonight. Listen to me. If you'll follow the tests and check those boxes and be what we preach tonight, uh, desiring of one thing, Christ-likeness. If that is your desire, if that's your motivation, and you're willing to totally get out of your comfort zone, to be in the perfect will of God, and if you realize that there may be some things in your life where the permissive will of God has kicked in, and yet you're still on the right road with the right people going the right direction for the right reasons. You can be in and stay in the will of God and you can help other people as well. A double-minded man is unstable in all 
of His ways. We need to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. Colossians 3.15 We need to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for your labor is not in vain in the Lord. May God bless you and help you to find to be in the will of God and to help others as well. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking. And how many of you tonight would say, Preacher, something in the message tonight about knowing and doing the will of God spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up high. Something spoke to my heart. Amen and amen. How many of you tonight say, Preacher, I realize that I can be a help to others in finding, discovering, and being in the will of God. Put your hand up high. Come on. I can be a help to them. Amen. Amen. Let's determine to have God's perfect will. Let's determine to help others to discover God's perfect will as well. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, will you pray from your heart to God? Something like this. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. Sing with me. 